Welcome to Fintech Uncut. The quiz show with candid commentary on the biggest fintech and financial services news of the week that was. Disclaimer, this show is created purely for entertainment purposes and contains segments of sarcasm, satire, parody, and humor. Even if you don't think any of it is funny, the creators do not accept any responsibility or liability for the accuracy of any content shared and reminded you to always fact-check everything yourself. And now, it's over to your quiz master. Welcome everyone at the third episode of Fintech Uncut, the quiz show with candid commentary on the week's biggest fintech and financial services stories with the wise guy, Chris Skinner, live from Vegas. We have the other guy, Andrew Vorster, live from somewhere in the UK. And then we have Judge Mary, again, live from Vegas. The host is uh, me, myself, live from Belgium. Um, with more shows, we got more feedback to improve the show as well. And as someone told me um, that a more professional setting could help, I hope you appreciate my new haircut for the ones that are following the show on video. I was as going I to said, compliment you on that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> the show is built around six questions dealing with three rounds. We have the biggest news, the most controversial news, and the WTF round. I will immediately kick off, my dear friends, with the first question. Sales of champagne and other luxury goods have a surprising side effect. What was that? Uh, is it um, that Michael Jackson's estate has just launched a new champagne called Bubbles? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it's that the metaverse fad is over as quickly as it began because people realize that virtual champagne doesn't really hit the spot. <laughs> yeah, I reckon it may be that people, when they drink too much champagne, get wasted. <laughs> like, so, you know, it, it makes you drunk. I don't know how that happens, but... Is that something to do with Vegas, Chris? <laughs> yeah, the local Vegas context, here in Vegas, yeah. I tell you, you know, uh, champagne, whiskey, bourbon, wine, <laughs> you name it, we've had it. Well, I can I I can tell you that the euro has experienced an unexpected gain against the dollar and the sterling. But that might just be because of the UK's mini budget uh, budget announcement yesterday. So, but you know, seeing that the French make a lot of uh, champagne, well, the only ones who can make champagne and luxury goods, I reckon that that's what the side effect was. So, prosecco or champagne? Mary, no. Mary, prosecco or champagne? Um, okay, both, both on different occasions. <laughs> Am I budgeting? <laughs> or, yeah, so both. Maybe both together. <laughs> and anything. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever I could get. <laughs> um, all right. Real answers, though, dudes. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'll answer it. And, Andrew, you can join in. But I think it's to do with the fact that um, France has taken over from Britain a little bit, thanks to Brexit, and that the stock trading in Europe is now higher in the French markets than the UK. Since records began, it's higher in all times since records began. Well, side note, that's only since 2003, of course. 
<laughs> Just a little bit after you were born then, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, with that, I'm going to give the points to Chris. Chris at seven, Andrew at four to kick us off. Oh, no. I know. Swirled I brought quick. the jokes. <laughs> he brought the boom. All right, my friends. Next question. Warren Buffett found a new target to add in his wallet. Which company was it? Definitely, based on Chris's last answer, Warren Buffett has now invested in Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville after Chris and Mary have spent the week in Vegas and drunk the place dry. <laughs> That's how big our influence is. <laughs> We, we tried, but what really shocks me is the fact that you mentioned that Warren Buff Buffett actually has a wallet. I mean, how last century is that? Maybe he, he invested in Nokia? So I, is, I is reckon Nokia that... Still you know, a thing? Are, are they still around? What, wallets? Nokia? <laughs> actually, my uh, brother uh, still has one. I, I'm knocking off. <laughs> It's but Nokia's are probably still going, you know, still on a single battery charge. Can't be broken. He can't read the letters on, on the buttons anymore, but he's still using it. It can't, it doesn't break. I mean, maybe Warren Buffett used contactless payments for the first time. And so he's invested in something like Square, you know, um, or Round or Circle or something like that. Uh, I'm telling you, because he's a man with his finger on the button the whole time, he is investing in the Megaverse. This is Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's latest Metaverse foray. Um, they're in talks with Pax.World. This is a genuine story, by the way. And they're about to launch their Megan own Verse. private Metaverse, and it's been dubbed the Megaverse. Megan no, Me Meganverse. Meganverse. It's got to be the Meganverse. <laughs> yes. No, 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 no. Get it together, dudes. What's the real answer? So uh, he has uh, invested in Nubank, I believe, a, um, a Latin American bank, which uh, has seen remarkable growth, uh, it, phenomenal growth. It's something along those lines, Rick, isn't it? Yeah, it's actually surprising on days that Revolut is announcing with a lot of tutus and bella, as we say in, um, in Flemish or in Dutch, um, that they have 25 million clients now and want to go for global expansion. This bank is now uh, growing over 70 million in South America. That's quite impressive, I believe. Uh, oh, they're, so they're an amazing investing. story. I, I mean, they were started by a mixture of South American entrepreneurs from Colombia and Brazil, and um, they now cover multiple markets and have grown into a phenomenon. They're the best and the largest challenger bank out there in the world. Um, so we can talk about Starling or yeah. you know, Bunk or Square or Stripe or whoever, but New Bank is, I think, the greatest success in fintech. Judge uh, Mary, are they actually already in the United States as well? Or is it not, just South America? Uh, yeah, I think Mexico as well, but no, yeah. not, not, not over here. But like, um, it is a striking storyline. It's like, we, I guess we still call them neobanks here, but um, 
you know, the regulators have been zooming in on them and many are struggling right now. So this is like well, super. Um, if it's starting Colombia, it's reaching Mexico now, it will soon be it's, United States. It's starting States. in Brazil, actually. And my favorite quote is that um, when they started, they said that if um, the Death Star are banks, then the opportunity to uh, bomb them is in credit cards, which is what they did. And, um, you know, so basically they're the empire striking back. I, I was on a serious note, I was quite impressed to see that they have also uh, started a youth offering for under 18s, which is aligned with um, we recently on uh, the banking scene after work hosted the CEO of RiseCard in uh, in Belgium, uh, Morgan Wirtz. Um, who is who is focused on youth. So youth is a big overlooked category and Newbank have just added this whole youth opera, uh, offering as well, which is surely going to really explode the uh, the, the growth of accounts, uh, account openings there. Yeah, especially in countries with a, a younger um, population. That's it. And as I said, if they start in Colombia and they're now in Mexico, they're probably reaching the U.S. borders very soon and crossing it one way Brazil. or another. I've got to correct you, Rick. Brazil first, then ah. Mexico and Colombia and Argentina. That's why we need someone like you in the show. <laughs> Mary. Facts. Stay on the facts. All right. All right. Okay. Chris, I'm bumping your score up for that last correction. So you get a six, but Andrew still gets a seven. So <laughs> for his thought leadership here, um, it's neck and neck. But don't worry. I know, Chris, you're always good at controversial questions. And we are just getting to the controversial round. Question number one. Extinction Rebellion is far from being extinct. How did they make their point this week? Okay, so is it a rebellion or a revolution? And I think I would say that they renamed themselves Extinction Revolution and blew up the Houses of Parliament in England. Ooh, 4th of July. No, maybe, maybe not. That would, that, that would have been in the news headlines, wouldn't it? <laughs> not in One Vegas. Would hope. One would hope. <laughs> I reckon that they're all about preventing extinction so they've taken a jurassic park as sort of like their their guideline and they've brought dinosaurs back to life which has made our good friend leader glyptus very happy because she loves dinosaurs no well, you would think you would think um you know an extinction and i use this in my presentations these days which is how can you price an extinction so if everything on earth died what cost would that have and that's actually the question that they're really asking. Um, and that's what's posed in front of us, which is a bit depressing. So I'd rather say that maybe they told the G20 there are you know, 8 billion people on Earth, apparently, now. Um, I'm not sure they counted everybody, but if 7.9 billion people died, what would that be worth? Oh, sorry, I'm being depressing. Yeah, I was like, Chris, <laughs> wow, this is grim. <laughs> Where are the jokes? <laughs> I mean, I feel a little sad right now. <laughs> so I, I think that their announcement was they announced Chris Skinner as their greatest ambassador after the outstanding global success of his book, Digital Goods. Therefore, a pure gratuitous plug because 
there is actually an article, a whole chapter in here uh, from the co-founder of Extinction Rebellion. So obviously Chris is now their biggest ambassador. And I have to drop a link to Chris's book in the show notes just for that. I'm expecting I've got, extra I've got to say, points I'm, for that one. I'm not sure whether it's made me more popular or less popular, but um, you know, Gail Bradbrook, uh, founder of Extinction Rebellion with some colleagues, um, as was at that book launch. And people thought she was going to be some mad hippie, um, like sort of green tree hugger, uh, and then discovered she's a doctor and a, a very intelligent lady who's just worried that her kids won't have any future, which um, is what the rebellion is all about or the revolution is all about. And I'm guessing, Rick, that this had something to do with, with their actions and activities like chaining themselves to branches or something. Yeah. That's correct. Um, they uh, targeted Barclays and it was a coordinated effort um, where they targeted 200 branches nationwide, which I thought was quite impressive. Wow. So, so I've got a question to Mary, actually. You know, what's your feeling about these extremists and activists? Do you think that they're right in what they're doing or wrong? Um, I don't know. I think it can be a little bit of both. I mean, can you imagine being chaining yourself up in a bank branch <laughs> like that is like I just can't even imagine for that person but like I think you can see like the need like the fossil fuel thing is like a huge deal and like in America we have aspiration as like a counter experience to not you know be putting your money at a place that's funding fossil fuels it's like a very significant thing but I I I don't think any of us will disagree that fossil fuels are bad we, we i think i think that's unanimous we all know that fossil fuels are bad but it's an interesting debate because you can't just flick a switch and switch off all fossil fuel use because literally millions of people will die they will die yep. from lack of heating lack of food industry will crumble economies will crumble so you have to have an alternative in place before you can switch off all fossil fuel use and but that requires here, Andrew. It, it, um, it does require yeah. both balance my friends I, i've got to under, underscore andrew that the extinction rebellion's point is no new projects yes you know, existing ones fine um and the funding of those fine but nothing new and Anna Batan, the um, executive chair of Santander, made a point that said, you can't switch off fossil fuel overnight, for example, in Poland, where I live, because then Poland would stop working. Yeah. But having said that, you can stop investing in new projects. All right. I'm going to have to close the debate because otherwise, um, yeah, it deserves a lot more attention than this uh, for our audience, but maybe not in this show today. Uh, so let's go to the next question. Oh, we got to oh, do Mary didn't... Yeah, oh, we got to do songs, right? I ran out of time. My apologies. Okay, okay. <laughs> Chris, six. Andrew, five. Oh. Oh. Even after punting Chris's book, car, no more free promo. <laughs> you gave him that added point by that. <laughs> it wasn't Mary's book. Exactly. <laughs> I've written one um, essay. <laughs> next question. Investment appetite in fintech changed. What happened? They lost their appetite. No. In what? In investing <laughs> in fintech. He said, what oh. changed? 
<laughs> they just lost their appetite in investing in fintech no no i actually think they're investing in fish tech because um, <laughs> fish have fins don't they so you know fish fintech something like that or maybe it's that investing in fintech is actually not doing something really very useful like ftx oh sorry did i mention the elephant in the room ftx what happened to ftx oh thanks oh so i reckon that the change is that investors are flocking to the metaverse because it's not real so they don't have to invest real money and the whole thing's all a game isn't no? everything in investing a game well no yeah way. it's a game with other people's money a lot of the time unfortunately i, I mean the big issue right now is investing in rest tech which is recession tech and the challenge we have in recession tech rest tech is how to work out who the winners will be you know everyone's talked about a fintech boom well a, a bit like the internet boom there's a bust uh, and out of that you still have the amazons and the you know um googles of this world but there's going to be some big losers and it's trying to work out who will be the winners and losers getting very close um anyone that would like to do a final offer a final answer <laughs> let's ask the judge what do you think what do i think i think you are slipping into the right path like um investments on like uh, the challenger banks it's like not as strong for the direct to consumer as the b2b and um rick i think you have some stats to throw at us of how i do differences yes <laughs> Um, so uh, the B2B fintech attracted 14.1 billion investments so far in 2022 um, across, to be complete, 819 funding rounds, more than four times the 3.2 billion raised across 230 B2C uh, rounds, according to Deal Room. So basically, B2B fintech is becoming the big thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I really like the introduction of the article stating shiny coral debit cards and buzzy investing apps stole all the limelight as the European fintech scene came of age from around 2015. But this year, it's been the fintech that provide their piping that have been all the rage. I thought that go. was very well written. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty true. You know, the B2C scene, um, the retail fintech scene has been the hot topic of the last decade. I think the uh, you know, commercial uh, loans and investments markets are going to be the big story of this decade. Yeah, it's interesting. Don't want to steal all the comments, but it's interesting. A couple of years back, fintechs were predicting that banks would be doing all the plumbing. And today, fintechs that do the plumbing are actually leaving with the money. The oh, ones yes. that successful infrastructure. Yeah, <laughs> I always, I always remember the story from a banking friend of mine, which is if you're doing the plumbing, basically you're doing the sewage. Anyway, <laughs> and it pays. Harry, what's the scores? All right, we got Chris with four, Andrew with three. I liked, I liked Chris's lead-in comment, kind of knocking down Andrew. <laughs> and Rick Alrighty. gets five. <laughs> I Next round, my friends. You can't go to the quiz master on your point. 
She's the quiz master. <laughs> Next round, my friends, the WTF. If we had a round of controversial questions, this wasn't it. Who is the loser of the week? Is it Elon Musk after buying Twitter? Sorry, I should have buzzed. Hold on. Uh, buzz. <laughs> is it Elon Musk after buying Twitter? I think it was, uh, we have to mention Elon Musk because even he though he's us. not our sponsor at the moment, until somebody sponsors us to stop talking about Elon Musk, we'll have to bring him up every episode. If it's not Elon Musk, then it must be Donald Trump after the midterms. I actually thought it was you, Chris, seeing that you've just spent the week in Vegas. I thought you were the biggest loser on the tables. No, I always win, mate. Yeah, after all, I know how to hedge my risk. Oh. <laughs> Maybe it's some fried bank man. <laughs> you know who I, I think get that, that. <laughs> I think we're tiptoeing here. What's the real answer? I, I think it's this fried bank man, Sam fried bank man. Oh, I, I may be saying it wrong, but um, yeah, the whole thing about FTX and the collapse of the, you know, empire that he was running where everyone thought he was some mega god and suddenly in a week he's lost 27 billion dollars is that about right rick that's uh yeah completely correct but doesn't that raise questions around governance and regulation and just the whole social media thing of you know the hype around it everybody thought that the guy was as you say crushing it and everything was on instagram and he is flying around in private jets and everything and apparently now according to the filing papers they didn't even know who they employed they didn't know what those employees were doing they bought houses for people and put them in the employees names and now they can't even trace um where those properties have gone who owns what it, it's a total mess and that's something that I would like to, I would like to raise Mary a question on this as a journalist. So now we see everyone commenting and you see all these horror stories as Andrew explained, but how is it possible that they got so much money in times when investors have to do due diligence and, and, and are trying to investigate where they put their money? Hasn't there been any research? Well, any research? There's always research. I think the story broke at CoinDesk um, from a really um, strong yeah. journalist. But like, yeah, you should. I mean, there's so many charades in this world. I do not know. Personally, I do not know why you hand over money for things you don't understand. But I'm sure there's been um, things that have been discovered along the way. But no, it's mm. stunning. It's shocking. But I, yeah, I, I think the biggest question is after the Terra Luna collapse, Celsius collapse, so now FTX collapse. Mm -hmm. Will any of these people be brought to account? Because they they haven't lost billions. <clears throat> the people who invested in them have lost billions. And mm -hmm. that's my issue. <clears throat> in an unregulated market, how can these guys get away with it with no sort of you know recompense? Yeah, with a bit of bad luck, you can even meet them at Adele this evening. <laughs> Because they didn't lose comment. that much. It's the clients that lost all the money. <laughs> <laughs> all right. 
Andrew, I'm giving you the higher points for this round. Seven, I liked your delivery of the information. You had style. <laughs> I felt like you lived up to your t-shirt. <laughs> Chris, you got five, so not too bad. Chris didn't Oh my goodness. That's really American. That's rock and roll. This week I'm on fire. I'm on fire in Vegas. <laughs> did did right. you wear the gold suit, by the way, Chris? Uh, actually, I, I did do the Iron Man thing this week. So, yeah, it was. Um, and people always, all the people said they, they love my shoes, which are my Game of Thrones dragon shoes. I saw them. I can say they were stunning and shocking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question, my friends. Who came close to being the loser of the week? It's not Elon Musk. I reckon it was the guy who was raided by the Fed and they found the missing 3.3 billion of Bitcoin in a popcorn tin in his bathroom closet. And that had been uh, Bitcoin that had been uh, stolen from a Silk Road uh, heist a couple of years ago and has been missing for years. Surely second to uh, Bankman Freed or Fried whatever and FTX, he's got to be at 3.3 billion. He's the second biggest loser. And it wasn't no, actually I, a joke, I, was I, it? No, that's not a joke at all. That's a real story. I've, I've got to tell you a secret, Andrew and Rick and Mary. Um, it's Chris Skinner gambling in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the truth comes out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm here and like, I, I don't normally gamble, but I tried and like, sort of, you know, I, I lost more than Bankman fried. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you won a lovely t-shirt there. Yeah, yeah, and actually, I did the roller coaster at the New York New York Hotel here. Did you have you done that, Mary? Because you were here this week. No, I no, I didn't do any of that. It's I was like in a crazy fairies. Like, so if you go on there and you've got anything loose, you're going to lose it. So that's where I lost all my fortune. I just went in the casino and then did the roller coaster, and like it all fell out of my pockets. Whatever. Oh no! All right. I, I, I think when well, I think a good contender would be Justin Bieber, who bought a Bored Ape NFT for $1.3 million, and it's now worth less than $69,000. Again, a genuine story. He's right up there for contender of the second biggest. Are you sure it's not Elon Musk who bought a company for $44 billion, and then it's now worth $100 million, if that? Yeah, that would have been in the first category, the biggest loser. Yeah. Notice that these are all men, so... I see the I see the trend here. Yeah, I'm guessing um, because yeah. ladies have more of a family orientation, and so if you, you accumulate, you, you don't speculate so much. I don't know. Is that sexist? I, I can't go. <laughs> Might have to edit that one out there. That's why we have disclaimers. <laughs> All right, real answers now. <laughs> Real answer has got to be Bill Harris, for the uh, uh, guy who was ex-PayPal, who started a company called Nirvana Money to a big fanfare only a couple of weeks ago, and pff, within about three weeks announced that it was closed. Uh, surely that's one's got to be, he's got to be right up there in the running. Rick? Yeah, 
you're correct. Um, claiming to have at least 50 employees and um, with the ambition to grow that to 200 by the end of 2022 after a couple of weeks, they uh, closed stating the Nirvana money service is being discontinued. Thank you for participating in the beta program of Nirvana money. All accounts will be closed on December 1, 2022. Reason being um, because it was a product combining credit and debit, and given the economic situation, that was no longer a viable business case. I think the weird thing about that is how can you have a company that launches and then closes in weeks? Um, it, it sounds like the UK government, you know, <laughs> Liz Plus. <laughs> it, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's wild, because I mean, they obviously knew the conditions yeah, you know, three weeks ago, like that's exactly. Not a yeah, There's more uh, yeah Mary, didn't didn't you have um, some unnamed uh, insider knowledge of um, their their reason? What they? I think what? they told a couple employees at least, like you know, it wasn't a good market fit or something like that. But but again, market fit. CB Insights quotes that as the second biggest reason why startups fail is not being able to find a market fit. Oh man, that's you know one oh one of of startup world. Find your product market fit before you even launch. For crying out loud! Actually, that's all about having a a, a product that is and a voice. <laughs> having a voice. <laughs> the the cackle morning, came yeah. out. It's having a product that is needed by the people that you're trying to serve, and obviously, the fit of their product was not serving the people that they were trying to target. All right, Mary, final score. Are okay. we ready? Or no, let's first Wait, give a score got, for these rounds. Andrew won this round. Six for Andrew, four for Chris. And I have to tell you, this is the closest match yet. But Chris is the winner by one point. One point. He's <laughs> on fire. He's on getting fire. closer to a dancer. What breaks the ties? Oh my goodness! We're gonna have a we're gonna have to break have a break dance uh, round at some point. Yeah, we break bones while we dance because we play <laughs> so old. That's it's what right. the people want. Thing, yeah. I, I've, I've no idea to be honest, but uh, I've seen a few guys out here in the Vegas Strip doing some interesting things. I, I won't go Put there. Them to memory. Like, Put them to memory. Put them to memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for your contributions. Also, thank the audience. Uh, thank you very much for listening and for watching us. I cannot wait for more international fintech news coming soon. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever channel you're on. This was the third episode of Fintech Uncut, and we hope to entertain you, your colleagues, your friends, your connections and followers, your cats and dogs, your fish, and more very soon again. See you back soon again. Bye-bye.